Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. But be the man. You gotta beat the man. Ooh, yeah. You got something to Alright, welcome back to another edition of Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, John, joined as always by my good friend and co-host, Rob. Styling and profiling. Woo! Oh, yeah. To be the man, you gotta beat the man. So here we are on October 23rd. We've got the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view coming up. Uh, we'll go through some picks. We'll talk about what happened on Raw. And I think we'll have a little time to talk about TNA's past pay-per-view Bound for Glory and maybe a little bit of NXT as we try to get more into that. Um, if you want to reach us, GN Wrestling on Twitter, wrestling at guysnation.com is the email, and there's a Guys Nation Wrestling Facebook page where Rob has set up uh, a bunch of anniversary yearly things that uh, we want to remember about you know big events in wrestling history. And, and occasionally I'll put something there to uh, to hype up some stuff we're doing, whether it's an article from one of the uh, one of the four or five writers we've got on the site, um, or whether it's uh, whether it's a podcast. You know, I'm, I've been talking to John a little bit about doing a special edition podcast here or there, uh, so we're gonna maybe look into a little bit of that, uh, break away from some of the traditional stuff, and uh, obviously still do the weekly. Um, so any, anything like that would be um, announced there. Uh, yeah, and of course, and if anybody has any ideas about. Uh a special edition podcast. I know we we talked about maybe ranking WrestleMania matches and things like that in the past. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, I think possibly after this pay per view, one one ranking that I'd like to do is uh, our favorite Hell in a Cell matches of all time. Maybe not uh, maybe not the ones that have the most historical impact or uh, the ones that have the best work rates involved or whatever. Just the ones that we think are the most memorable and and uh, quite possibly have one or two coming out of this pay-per-view. Yeah, definitely. Well, we got two scheduled, uh, which is nice that they're going to at least do two matches in a cell rather than just one. Uh, So we'll get into the picks and everything we think about the pay-per-view and what might come of it in a bit, but let's uh, jump into Raw. Saw a lot of uh, focus on the main storyline, I guess, with Triple H and uh, Shawn Michaels interacting, you know, kind of uh, bringing up Shawn Michaels' past uh, of training Daniel Bryan, you know, and the connection he has there, and then also the connection he has with Triple H in DX and all that, obviously, that everybody already knows about. So it seems like they're kind of positioning this as Shawn has split loyalties. Um, And I don't know that they necessarily made it seem like he leaned either way. Maybe they made it seem like he leans more towards Bryan, I suppose. The, The viewer would probably walk away feeling that, don't you think? Uh, I think I think that's certainly the way that Randy Orton's trying to push things, and uh, we heard Triple H a couple of times mention that Shawn Michaels is his best friend, 
and uh, I believe he said something about Sean's going to do what's right. So it certainly seems like Triple H feels like uh, the special guest referee is not just picked by the fans, but is uh, probably his top choice for it, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you could even say, if you want to look at, like, a conspiracy theory to say that, you know, the poll was set up in a way that Shawn Michaels would be guaranteed to win, you know. Yeah, Plus the I, fact I, that Bob Acklin ended up getting more votes than Booker T. I mean, <laughs> right, right. It's you know, it's not like they picked uh, Undertaker or Mick Foley or um, I don't know, uh, Ric Flair. Yeah, so somebody like that to be one of the other options. I mean, they certainly yeah. picked guys who were popular, but they didn't go out of their way to pick anybody who would have a remote chance of uh, of winning that vote over. Sean Michaels. Yeah, so we'll have some more to discuss probably about how Sean might act during the match, uh, but there were some interesting interactions both backstage and in the ring. Uh, I wanted to bring up uh, when they were backstage, uh, Stephanie had, uh, she was freaking out on the phone about you know needing more security because Big Show had got that satellite feed through, right? Yeah, I mean, and, him, uh, I guess. Yeah, right. And uh, basically she ended up telling Sean, well, first of all, he was like, woman, 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 which was like kind of really awkward. I don't know. Uh, you got a laugh fit, out of me. Yeah, it doesn't fit the PC uh, way that they run things these days. But uh, so, you know, he, he confronts her about it, and she's like, Sean, things have changed around here. I don't know if you've noticed. And, and he's like, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, And, <laughs> and, he, and looks, he looks right at Triple H, and he's like, it's a shame. Yeah, and you Triple know. H is looking pretty sheepish at the at the time when they're when they're kind of going through some of that. He's kind of looking away and and uh, not not really standing up for his woman at the point. Yeah, yeah, and so to me, what that whole interaction was saying is that Sean is like, "You letting her run things, you know? Like, you don't have a pimp hand here, and like, you know, it's a shame that things have changed, you know? Because I think that guys go through that, you know. If you think about DX as a couple of college buddies or something." You know, yeah. one of them ends up getting married and, and kind of going the straight and narrow, and then the other's, you know, still going out to bars, you know, and then and that guy could say to the other guy, like, what happened, man? You used to have so much fun, you know? Like, I think that's kind of the dichotomy they're trying to show there. Yeah, and, and you know, it's it's just like uh, how we've mentioned before, how, how WWE likes to go at things that uh, are happening in society and, and kind of archetypes. You certainly, uh, just like you described, I mean... You know, certainly, uh, certainly, you know, I, I took a more uh, more uh, domestic approach, and uh, other people haven't. And uh, I've I've definitely had those conversations with friends where it's like, uh, oh, you have to ask before you go somewhere, and it's like, well, you know, there's two sides to that. But yeah, I think I think they're certainly playing up to that a little bit. Yeah, which is funny because in in reality, you know, Shawn Michaels is probably the one that's more whipped. Right. Right. But anyway, well, he got he got he probably got married before Triple H did, I think. Yeah, because it was right when he was when he was gone. Right. He uh he picked up that chick because she was a Nitro girl or something. Yep. Uh. So anyway, uh, yeah, a little little more there backstage. Uh, she talked about how this is different because we fired Big Show. Now that brings me to this concept of the authority. Uh, that they started bringing up. I really. I mean, I, I guess it didn't ring a bell to you either. I don't think they had mentioned this last week, 
or even on SmackDown. I don't think they'd use that term. And then suddenly throughout the show, it's the authority, the authority. Michael Cole's using it back and forth. Even Daniel Bryan used it in the ring at the yep. end. Uh, so what do we think this means? Is this another attempt at uh, kind of blurring who's in charge, basically? Uh, I mean, because they started, like we mentioned before, it used to be the owner, Stephanie McMahon, and then it's one of the principal owners. And Now did they just say principal owner this, this week? Is that what I'm saying? Um, I think the way it went is that uh, whoever the ring announcer is, he said one of the principal owners... But uh, right when they first came out on Raw and you had the little graphic that has both of their names, like we might not know who they are, um, you know, triple, above Triple H it said uh, Chief, Chief Operating Officer, and above Stephanie McMahon it said Principal Owner Stephanie McMahon. Yeah. Yeah, it's strange. And so I, I think obviously if any time they start harping on a certain word like that, the authority of the authority, they're trying to tell us something. Yeah, uh, that was some sort of mandate. They're like, we got to get this in the fans' head that there's potentially another authority figure. Uh, and you know, I mean, I guess you got to assume that's Vince. Um, and you know, some different tie-ins here I'm seeing with this. You know, with with uh, the Big Show being able to be on the air or to have that satellite feed, somebody had to have allowed him to do that, right? Oh, absolutely. Somebody with the power. Uh, and then the other thing I noticed was right after that. Uh, I believe it was Stephanie introduced the Shield that they were going to be in a match, and then Daniel Bryan comes out. Right, right. So she, it's uh, like, is somebody else defying her there? That, and that's like, that's an interesting concept. I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that. Um, I certainly think that uh, they're probably going to have Vince be the one who's behind the big show, um, being able to come out, being able to hack the satellite feed. Um, you know, I think Stephanie, when she was backstage in that segment where uh, Shawn Michaels is in their, their locker room or makeshift office, she said something about, you've been unavailable all evening, which makes me think maybe they were on the other line or maybe they were told not to respond to her, in which case it would have to be somebody like Vince. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it seems like they're trying to lay the seeds there. Uh, and we've seen this before. I mean, we saw that higher power storyline back in the day. Uh, I guess this isn't quite the same because that one was drawn out much longer as far as who the higher power might be, and you actually weren't too sure. Um, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people predicted it would be Vince, but or there was definitely some confusion about, you know, he, he was still on screen at the time. and. Uh, you know, but and you don't have quite the drama with like Stephanie being kidnapped and all that. So this right. is just somehow they come up with this idea of there being an authority, and we're seeing the Big Show have all this autonomy, you know, to bring out a semi truck and get on on a satellite feed. Uh, so I don't know. It's it seems to me like almost that they're trying to call back to that kind of a storyline and about you know how cool that was and the surprise, but they're just not doing a very good job of it. Like they should have started this a while ago. Yeah, and I think I think eventually um, they'll probably just uh, pull the trigger on it, and you know Vince will come out and, and he'll defy them openly, and uh, he'll say, "Oh, you know, by the way, it's no it's no shock to anybody that uh, you know Big Show was able to do these things." 
because I allowed him to do it. You know, there should be no shock that the shield was able to do some things before you guys got involved because I was doing it. You know, it, it, I, and I think, I think at that point you'll have more of a straightforward power struggle between the two groups. Um, yeah. But I, I think, I think they probably won't get to the, uh, to the point of having them speculate too much how Big Show got access, you know, how he got into the building, how he hacked the feed. I, and just like you were saying, I, you know, I don't think they've done it too well. I think they should have, you know, started to build up some of the uh, some of the questions there, but they really have Yeah, I mean, you would have had to have started this at least the raw before this past one. Right. You know, you got to have at least two weeks of confusion. But just doing it on the go-home show before the pay-per-view, I mean, that doesn't leave you any room to build a story. Uh, and then at a pay-per-view, I mean, at least, his, you know, traditionally, we're not going to get the storyline furthered much, you know. I mean, maybe somebody comes out during the match, but it's already set in stone at this point. Yeah, and at this point, if Big Show comes out and knocks out uh, Randy Orton, then if that suddenly raises questions, then why didn't it raise questions when he did that on Raw to help the Rhodes family beat the Shield? Right. So so the best you can do is rehash something you've done a couple weeks ago, and at that point it's almost like you're admitting that you made a mistake by not by not bringing it up. Yeah, and so I guess that begs the question. I mean, how do we see them getting out of this and not having it look like crap? Yeah, I, mean, I think... I think what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to just pull the trigger at some point and you know have Triple H confront Big Show and be like, you know, I don't know how you're doing all this, but it needs to stop. And if you don't stop, you're going to get arrested for trespassing and whatever. And then suddenly you're going to hear Vince's music hit. He's going to come out and we'll end up forgetting about how poorly run this angle was because then you'll switch into the uh, Vince McMahon feud with with Triple H and uh, Stephanie. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, he immediately would add much more intrigue to a storyline. Uh, and I think we can agree that this one has definitely gone on way too long. Um, I think if they had added this Big Show wrinkle in a little earlier, it might have saved it. Uh, but it's it's almost a little, you know, too little, too late kind of situation. Yeah, I think Big um, Show's Big Show's firing after he knocked some people out. Uh, I think it probably came about a month too late. Yeah, yeah, because they, I mean, they they strung us along for what a good four weeks of him crying in the ring. Like you really only had to do that once or twice. You didn't have to do it so many times. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. Uh, all right, so that's kind of that's kind of what we're seeing in this whole uh, main event storyline. I don't think. A lot of the other storylines moved very much. I mean, we saw CM Punk come down to the ring, but or come down to the stage there and, and cut a promo, but it's really just talking about what he's going to do to Heyman. Um, you know, it's nothing we haven't heard before. He's just using new metaphors. Yeah, and, and as much as I like CM Punk and, you know, hearing him on the mic and having him push storylines along, um, certainly one of my least favorite CM Punk promos of all time. I mean, I, I just that that segment just reeked of... Oh man, one of the matches that we already had, or one of the matches we're going to have, has an issue with it, and we need to kill some time. Because really, I mean, I, I don't know what the point was of CM Punk coming out and saying, you know, essentially, yeah, I mean, just like you were saying, all the same stuff he's already said, just you know, new metaphors and 
reinforcing the fact that he hates Paul Heyman after six months of whatever. Yeah, it's just you feel like they could have done so much more. Uh, I mean, I personally, I would have enjoyed if it had been a little more about Ryback at this point. Uh, I think he's got some potential, and he's just continuing to be a sideshow to somebody else's larger feud. Um, you know, and we've seen this as we, as you just said. I mean, the Heyman and Punk promos back and forth have just kind of they're they're getting stale. Although, I mean, I I enjoyed. Heyman backstage with Renee Young and his just like psychotic ranting that he went on. I don't yeah. even know what he was saying for half of it. It was just the fact that he was so over the top was was pretty impressive. What what I got out of that segment with Paul Heyman backstage, I know he was talking about a volcano and you know the eruption and killing oh, yeah. people down below. All the villagers, yeah. But. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but it, there was something oddly sexual about it and made me kind of uncomfortable. Like, he's almost talking about, like, you know, this this whole build-up and explosion, and, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because Paul Heyman's in control. So it's like, that's just really creepy. And yeah. maybe, I w- maybe I wouldn't have gotten that if he hadn't kind of, in previous weeks, turned things into... Uh, like this weird love for uh, his Paul Heyman guys and the yeah. fact that, you know, CM Punk is like a, he's almost jilted because he, you know, he felt like uh, CM Punk left him by the roadside. I, I don't know. It, maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the only one that, that felt like he was talking about uh, masturbation there. But Yeah, I, I'd have to go back and listen to it, but I can, I can kind of see where you're getting at. Uh, at, at this I point, mean, if... If if you didn't catch that out of the first listen, I'm I'm almost thinking it might be a little awkward if you listen to it again trying to. Uh, but it's just it's just I don't know. Yeah, I hear you, and you know you could easily see this match, you know, with the being a handicap match, and I'm sure Punk will get his hands on Heyman at some point. And if Punk ends up winning, I mean, Brock's or Ryback's going to have to like what carry Heyman out or something probably. I would guess so. Unless and then we they, start uh, getting montages of them like. Visiting Niagara Falls and having ice cream together, and <laughs> right, just just to show you that uh, even though even though the wedding's done, the uh, the honeymoon might be over, but they uh, they still have they still have the passion. Right? I mean, it would certainly, you know, there's only so far you can go with Heyman being psychotic. You know, at some point, maybe he does have to go more t- towards a comedy storyline. You know. And you could do something like that with Ryback, and it would make him a little more relatable too. You know, it would yeah. probably help both of them out. Yeah, well, Ryback yeah. definitely needs that that next dimension. I mean, you can't have you can't have Mark Henry come back and have Ryback feud with him again. You can't really <clears throat> have his feud turn into uh, whatever Big E is doing next. I mean, you can't just have another hoss against another hoss again because. At yeah. some point, at some point, Ryback just kind of trades victories back and forth, and you don't really get the uh, the evolution of the character. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, and I think he does have a lot of potential. I mean, I think I think he got elevated before he was ready. Obviously, with uh, Cena getting hurt, uh, you know, late. I guess it was last year. They ended up having to have Punk and Ryback in a Hell in a Cell. Right. So I guess exactly a year ago. Um, so, you know, I, I think he's been pushed a little too far, and then they kind of decide just to bury him a bit and bring him back in this other way as a bully. I don't know. We'll see. 
But uh, I'd like to see something more done with him eventually, so hopefully that comes out of this pay-per-view. Yeah, and, um, and you know, I, I think if, if he would have been around in this position, like, I don't know, four or five years ago, um, back when uh, they had... Uh, the ECW show going on sci-fi and, uh, you know, some things like that. I think, you know, that would be a position where he could really flourish and he could really flourish on SmackDown um, because I, I do think he has a lot of potential. I think he's probably better off than Bobby Lashley was. I think he's got, um, you know, more potential than Batista did back in the day. And all it really took with those guys was to have a title reign in ECW or to change up their gimmick a little bit and, you know, show a little bit more personality. And so I'm really looking forward to when they actually do something like that with Ryback. Yeah, and I think I think some guys are getting the benefit of that with NXT. Um, Big E's a, a good example. Not that everybody got to see him necessarily based on how NXT is available, you know, on only online. But, um, you know, he built up a character there that was very intimidating and believable. And some of that carried over. You know, he was ready to play that character and all that. He didn't have to do it just on a WWE screen in front of the millions and millions. Uh, so, And I think, I think that's going to benefit a lot of other guys now that come through the ranks, as opposed to guys like Ryback and others, you know, before him that, came through a different way, you know, either with that NXT, that smaller show where they weren't really running a federation necessarily as much of a game show, I guess it was. Right. So you don't, you don't really get built up quite the same way there. Right, and that's and that's kind of one of the reasons why um, I'm looking forward to catching up on a lot of NXT and uh, talking more about it probably starting next week. Because I know for a while now you've been uh, catching up on some of the uh, episodes here and there, and you told me that it was on Hulu, and um, I definitely bookmarked it, and I was organizing some of my bookmarks today to kind of help organize myself, and uh, I definitely noticed that I should be watching it, because it's yeah. definitely the type of show I'd like to see. Well, it's posted every Wednesday night. You know, it's only 45 minutes. It's well worth the time. They, they've got a lot of... Uh, they got a lot of guys that have some good potential. They do have championships. they got got... Uh, you know, the NXT champion, they got a women's champion, and uh, tag titles, so. Yeah, I mean, really all I need to know is the fact that uh, Summer Rae came from there, that uh, they have some guys that I've seen from Ring of Honor, and that it's more exciting than uh, Wednesday Night Made Event. So with those things involved, that should be all it takes for me to, to watch it, because I was watching Wednesday's Main Event. Well, they also often have your man William Regal on commentary. See, there you go. And as a longtime WCW fan, I'm all about some William Regal anywhere I can get it. So, uh, yeah, and the uh, women's wrestling is pretty good. Um, this girl Paige is definitely, definitely going to be a star once she gets to the main roster. Uh, she's very good. She wears all black, has dark black hair. Um, nice. I think she's technically p- playing a heel, but she's got a lot of fans. Right. And uh, this other girl, Emma, um, she kind of does this weird dance as she goes. She has this really goofy intro song, but uh, she's she's also good. So they have like a long running feud. Uh, so I think you know the future of the women's division looks bright with those two at least. They're both pretty young. Excellent. Um, they can actually they can actually wrestle 
You know, they're not just uh, they're not just supermodels or anything. In fact, neither of them are like knockouts. I mean, they're they're attractive, but they're not they're not crazy. Right. And then so they yeah. have a they have a, a tag team that I really like, the Ascension, that are the current tag titles: uh, Adrian Neville and Corey Graves. Okay. See that that right there um, just really sounds exciting. I mean, I I like tag team wrestling. The fact that there's a couple of guys who I've never heard of before, the fact that they're actually holding championships, and uh, you seem to think that they have some potential. I mean, that that right there is something that I'm I'm interested in checking out, and I'm I'm actually hoping that uh, you know as we kind of get more into watching NXT and analyzing it, and you know looking at the different shows each week. I'm hoping that we can get uh, one or two of those uh, folks from from that show uh, involved in doing some interviews with us. Yeah, I think it's certainly possible. I mean, a lot of these guys are pretty young. They've, you know, they've only been working for a few years, uh, so I'm sure they'd welcome some media attention, you yeah. know, from any any level of media. And uh, yeah, those two, the Ascension, they kind of have like this kind of goth, uh, I don't know, gimmick. It's not like but it's not like brooding goth. It's it's like evil Dracula kind of. I don't know. They have a really interesting uh, approach, you know, when they come to the ring, and and then they have a lot of a lot of very nice uh, tag moves. So kind of power moves that they do together. So I'll, yeah. I'll, look, anyway. I'll look forward to it. Yeah. So we'll definitely uh, try to touch on NXT a little more going forward. Uh, like like you mentioned, they're all on Hulu, and you don't even have to have Hulu Plus. It's just on there. Uh, they used to have to have Hulu Plus, but they changed it. I guess they wanted to finally get some people watching this product that they're clearly putting a lot of effort into. Right. Um, and they really should get a TV deal. I don't understand what's going on with that because I think it would do very well. I mean, it's it's well produced as you would expect from WWE, and it's a lot of new stars. They all get mic time. Uh, there's at least three decently length matches every show, so good stuff. Uh, so let's head to a break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, what went on at TNA Bound for Glory. I guess you got a chance to watch that. And then the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view, we got all the picks and predictions for you know storylines and all that, whether there's any run-ins and such. We'll do all that when we come back. <laughs> 